We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of Talking Yang, the playoff semifinals edition, also known as Playoffs Bloodbath as far as I'm concerned. I whined about it on air today on SiriusXM. You were taking a far more magnanimous approach, and I thought about this a little bit more, Chris, and I just can't be like that. I just can't. I can't let it go. Maybe if I were having a lukewarm season, a mediocre season, I'd feel that way, but damn it, I'm having a good year. I made the playoffs in 10 out of 14 leagues. I've got a like over 60% winning percentage. I'm doing well. I don't really, I don't, you know, even my bad teams aren't totally crappy. And I had a lot of really good teams. I had like five points leaders out there. And I just got crushed this weekend. I, you know, I expected I'd have some, you know, you know, you, you, you go into a season, you're like, okay, well, expecting to win a title might be kind of crazy, although we all expect it when we draft. We all think we're going to nail it. I felt like I was really having a great year. I had improved my chances quite a bit. And after this weekend, I, I'm having a hard time letting it go. Yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, the, the two teams that I had in the semis uh, that were good were, well, one of them had Kareem Hunt before the playoffs even started. And they're both kind of not that important leagues. Like one was the Vegas league and the other one was the, uh, was the FSTA. Like, of course I'd like to win both. There's a little bit of money for each, but yeah. it's not like, it's not like I'm winning some major NFBC league or something. And then my NFBC team was dead. You know, I had one in the playoffs, but it was dead in arrival with, without AJ green and Kareem on also. So I'm kind of like, okay, whatever. 
Um, and so I lost the number one seed. I lost every, you know, I had Keenan Allen and Aaron Jones and I lost Kareem Hunt in the Vegas league, but I just kind of laugh at it. Uh, and it helped that I'm doing well against the spread. So I can just root for that and just have a good year doing that. That to me is like kind of the most important thing anyway, because it's, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't want to say I represent the site or we're not like a tout site, but I like to have a good year. You know, it's just sort of like, it, it's, it's kind of like the flagship thing I do in a way that in yes. East coast offense, whereas like my fantasy teams are just my personal teams. And if I'm not going to make like a hundred thousand and some huge win, um, then, you know, I mean, I'd like to win 500 here or 700 there, but it's not gonna, I'm not going to get that burned up about it. Basically. I hear you. I do hear you on that. I just, it's my competitive gene. I mean, in one league, I thought, okay, I, I, it's it's a home league. It's a ten team league. It, it's not the toughest league. It's not you know long standing, but I love playing in it, and I haven't won it. I have won the baseball version of it multiple times, but not football. And I'm like, okay, I've got the best team this year. I've got more than two hundred points next to my next opponent, and I'm going to lose by fifty points this week. It stinks. I think you know, Barkley well, did what nothing. You, but it's like. What are you even proving when you win a fantasy football league? It's like you, you don't prove anything. Like you had the best team. Everyone knows you had the most points. Why you do we win play? Or you don't. It doesn't we prove win. anything. <laughs> Why do we play in the first place then? Uh, we play because it's fun to have a little gamble on something and to root for something and to use your knowledge to the, you know, to the end that you have all this knowledge about football in your head. And if we're not talking about it or using it, then it's going to waste. And it's just human nature to apply knowledge. If you knew about physics, you'd probably invent something. If you know about fantasy football, you're going to, in our case, talk and write about it and compete against it, but uh, compete about it. But you know that the way in which it's settled is so imperfect right. that it doesn't, it, it's kind of meaningless, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you knew, you know, you did what you had to do. Like, I don't know. I, I've, I've just in so many of these things. I've won some, I've lost them. I've, had bad beats. I've gotten lucky. It's like, unless I'm winning like a serious amount of money where I'm like, Oh sweet. I'll go buy some Bitcoin with that. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't, I just don't, I get really worked up against the spread though. I really, that drives me nuts. You know, when I get so a bad beat, like why do you care more about that than your fantasy leagues? I mean, again, if it was like a hundred thousand dollar league, I might, you know, if I was like doing really well in the NFFC and it was down to the third week and I, you know, something happened, like mm-hmm. one of my guys got hurt in the first quarter, I'd probably be pretty steamed about it. I just care more about it because it's a more true test because everybody's battling the, battling the same dragon. Everybody's competing on the same scale. We know what a good year is. We know what a great year is. In fantasy, it's all like such a moving scale. Like what was available on the waiver wire? Who got hurt? Who was, who were you playing against? Did you play a weak team in the semis where the other two semis, like they scored 180 and 170 and you won 80 to 60 and then you win in the finals because three of his guys were sitting out or something. I mean, it's so nebulous. It's so un, uh, it, it, there's no regulation to it. There's no standard that you're even competing against when you're talking fantasy. I have the same problem when, you know, uh, evaluating pundits, people are like, Oh, you, you thought Christian McCaffrey was bad. This year would be bad this year. Or you didn't like this player. I'm sure. like, yeah, that was wrong. I've got a bunch of things I was, I was right about, but who knows on balance, who knows the context. And I still had McCaffrey as like a early to mid second rounder in PPR. I just didn't think he should go in the first. I was wrong. But you know, how do we evaluate that in the mix of all the stuff? I, was more correct on and even more wrong on. And it's just so nebulous. We cannot evaluate 
fantasy performance. We cannot evaluate uh, our own teams. Truly. It's just so hard. Like the spread, Oh, my 56% of my 58%. How are my best bets doing? It's like very clear and the barometer is clear. And I feel like I have something to shoot for. I know when I've done a bad job, uh, you know, the bad beats are just one game. I get a, you know, it usually evens out. It's just such a more true test of football knowledge and fan. You know, it's just, I, I don't know. DFS is skewed because the, the, the payouts are so skewed to the top that even, it, you know, you'd rather get like one win of a big tournament than like a hundred min caches, but who's, who's the better player. And then if you're just going for the, in the head, the 50 fifties or whatever, it's just so boring. You're playing the most boring game. You just try to get 50, 50 every game and just win like a steady grinded out income. So to me, the spread, unless and, and you're playing a lot of volume, just, unless you're playing for your in, playing for an income, that would be different. Then you'd feel it a lot more. If that was how you made money was doing yeah, well, it's in super DFS. boring, but it's, it's, you know, it, yeah, you could make money or it'd be, you know, you could have like someone like Cardi doing the bat for baseball. Like, you know, he just plays those cash games and I, I think he's doing well. And so, okay, that's satisfying. I've done a good job, but it's boring. You're just, you're just trying to, you know, beat the cash line. You're not even trying to, you're not trying to get the amazing lineup. You're just, you're in fact trying to avoid the amazing lineup. You're, you're not even, it's like that trying for the miracle lineup that nobody has is actually counterproductive if you're just trying to win in cash. So, you know, I, I just think the the spread and the and survivor, but survivor is just such a so like impossible with a large pool that the spread is where the game is at. I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. Okay, okay. It's just you know, it's we're in a tough place in our industry too because you know, hey, you do our rankings. You know, we talk fantasy football every day. You know, nine months out of the year, it's it's football on our channel. You know, the other three months we splice it in even here and there. And there's that push. Hey, talk more football. Talk more football. You know, and we and talk fantasy. Talk talk gambling. We now at least that's been embraced a lot more. Our, our avenues are you know where we can talk about uh, football have changed. You know, we, we are you know industry wide, uh, media wise. Think an exercise like this even um, we're, we're we can be a lot more open than we used to be. And you know, and I like that. Um, I maybe because I don't do the super contests, for instance, I, you know, we have, I have side bets with you and staff picks. That's my investment in the spread. I, I don't have that same investment as you, even though I understand your underpinnings. Like it, it is the underpinning of what we do in a way. I mean, it, it trying to predict what the player player, the teams are going to do distills down to the players. Here's the thing. I like, I like fantasy football, but I feel like we've taken it to its, we've taken it to the edge, right? Like we, we know what to do. We understand how it works. We max out our waiver picks, set our lineups as best we can using the data that's available. And then it, it, it goes how it goes, man. It, there's just a, we've taken it to the edge. <laughs> you know, it's like, I've, I'm doing it right. I'm working hard every week. I do the waiver wire. I like winning. I, I like watching great players. I like having shares of great players. I like DFS, but you know, it's just, it's just variance, man. It's just, you get in the playoffs and everybody knows the playoffs are just not really, you know, there's obviously you can do a total points league, which helps. But even that, I mean, you lose Kareem Hunt, James Connor, Melvin Gordon. It's boom, you're out. You know, it's just how it is. Could that also apply to the sport itself too? I think especially that's true in baseball. You play 162 game grind just to get there. And then your season can be judged on how you do in a, a best of five or a best of seven game series. 
Yeah, but at the right, so there's two things. Like in baseball, at least, like you, you know, you're the one at bat, you're the one throwing the pitches. So at least they have, you know, they they're the ones doing it. Like here, it's like, oh, James Conner, Melvin Gordon are out. I I have no control over that. It's out of right. my hands, not even in my hands. But yeah, I mean, obviously the small sample, the the way we settle things in pro sports and fantasy is is clearly not ideal, right? It's not it's not the worst way we could do it, but it's also not the best. Like people, if people don't always think the best team won the Super Bowl, people don't always think the best team won the World Series. People Often always think the best do. team won the Premier League. Is that the counter? They do or they don't? They do. I think they do um, within the league. I mean, because there is, you know, Premier League is just regular season. You play every team twice. Right. Done. Period. There's no playoffs. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's separate tournaments. You know, there's the some of the drama of a playoff, like a head-to-head that. playoff. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's no playoff. What about what about the NCAA tournament? That's the that's the polar opposite. It's a one game playoff in basketball. Oh yeah, it's completely variant. I mean, completely. It, it, you could run into the wrong team on the wrong day. You could you, you know you might have a bad matchup against one particular team. You might have a, you might not make your shots on a given day. You might draw the wrong ref and get a fluky foul. I mean, all these things apply. Of course, it, yeah. Of course, there's a lot more variance. Plus, you're adding in the the nature of the of the sport. You know, college kids trying to play the game versus like pros. But people love it. Yeah, people, people love, love the it. variance. They love the wild west nature of the NCAA tournament. It's, it's such an exciting. The, yeah. And go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupt you. Go ahead. It, it's the opposite of the premier league, right? I mean, it's, it's just this wild west. Like we, we, they get the teams in there and then it's just a big free for all. And sometimes the, the one seeds dominate and you're like, yep, that's, this team was best from start to finish. And sometimes you have a crazy final four where, Actually, it looked like Kentucky. It was what was that one? Kentucky against uh, Connecticut or something? I can't remember, but it was like a seven versus a an eight or something in the finals. Um, but it's just uh, you know, there's just different ways to settle it, and people prefer different amounts of variance. I'm fine with the way we do fantasy football. I, I actually like a little bit of a, a overall points title too, or like the stake mm-hmm. league and a low points title that you know costs you. I think all that stuff is good, but I don't know, man. I just uh, recently for fantasy football, I'm just not sweating the variance. The other thing is that your fantasy teams, it, it's a weird paradox. Like if you, if you have a bad playoff or your guys don't show up or you have an injury, all your years work is flushed down the toilet. At the same time, next year, it's totally, you start from scratch. Whereas against the spread, there's no one bad beat that can kill me. It's just one game in the standings, you know, in my record. But at the same time, I'm, I'm like keeping track of my 20 year record. So it's like, it goes on my permanent record more even than the season law. And and say, for instance, if you were actually betting those games, it'd be more than just a permanent record. (laughs) You would have a bankroll. I was for the first 10 years. I was actually betting them. Right. uh, Now I just have office pools and stuff, but do you, would you, if given that opportunity, to, to bet him all again. Do you think you would choose to do that? Do you think no, it makes you better bet. at what you do or worse? No, I would just, I would just bet like, you know, the ones two or three a week on average, some weeks, none, some weeks, five, I might be degenerate and do small bets on a lot more just to have fun with it. But I think if I, I, I was betting every single game, you know, for 10 years, but it was tiny bets, like 10 bucks a game because my, well, somebody I knew had somebody I knew had somebody I knew, so remote a guy. And he he would take the bets. And so, you know, we went with some people and mine was ten bucks a pop. 
So, you know, at the end of the year, we had these great years and I'd win like 400 bucks. You know, that's how good we were at 10 bucks a bop. Um, and it was fun and it, it gave us something. Obviously I was writing the column and then at some point that went away and I wasn't willing to like commit myself to like shady online, uh, sports books. I just didn't want to give my credit card info. I don't know. I was just a little paranoid. So I just never sure. did it. Um, and so if there's like legalized betting, that's not minus 120 rake. Yeah, of course I would do it. There's probably something here. I, I got to check the rake like locally. You're pretty much allowed to bet in Europe, but, uh, yeah, but it's not that it, it's just, it, it just, to me, like if Jeff, if you get 60% on the whole year against the spread now, betting every game is kind of crazy anyway. Right. Uh, that's like amazing. Right. But even if you, in the super contest, which is a great, you know, five picks a week. You know, if you can win some money in that or not necessarily win the whole thing, cause it's a lot of serious people in that, but it's, it's something. And, and I've kept track of my best bets since 2009, since as far as it goes back on staff picks on our site, I tracked them and they're like 57% or something like that. I got, I, I wrote it down for maybe it was 56. It was pretty high. Um, and I'm like, okay, even though I haven't been very good overall betting all 16 games, um, that was like, all right, maybe, maybe I do have a sense of this. And then, you know, this year has been good. It's just been one good year, but I think the method I've settled on is, is helping, but I don't know. It just gives me more, um, of a sense of how I'm doing that fantasy to me. Like I've, as I said, like this week, I just laugh at it, yeah. you know, having all these guys just do zero and be like, Oh, okay, that's it. I'm out of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny how you can be wired like that too. Um, I'm trying to look now and see what my all time, you know, you know, I had a, yeah, I had a year a couple of years ago where I was like crazy high, uh, uh, crazy plus on the variance, like 133 and 102. I mean, that was a great year, but then, you know, like, okay, I'm kind of getting good at this, you know? And then last year I was below 500 this year. I'm going to be close to 500 after a disaster week. I was kind of coming on and then the last two weeks have just set me right back. You know, uh, I, two weeks, you know, last week I went six and 10. I think I'm like five and nine, five and 10 or six and nine this week pending the Monday night game. And I'm like, all right, maybe this whole guess the spread method wasn't the Eureka I thought it was. Yeah. But you're doing something a little bit. I don't really know what you're doing in the con in that right. because you're just trying to guess the actual spread that doesn't help you. I, you know, I, I twist my, I'm twisting myself into this like logic pretzel. And, you know, sometimes like I, what I want the spread to be, and sometimes that's what I think it is. And it's just, it's not a consistent method. That's part of my issue is I don't have the methodology that you have. I, I literally try to set the line that I would have no idea which side to take. Uh-huh. Set, set the line where I believe it's, if I'm the book, I'm setting the line here. So it was funny for Miami and Minnesota. I set it at seven and a half last week. And the line, when I looked it up Tuesday morning, this is just when I wrote East Coast Offense and I just do the preliminary, it was eight. So I'm like, okay, I think it's seven and a half. The Dolphins are getting eight. I'm on the Dolphins. Next morning, I woke up to write the column and it moved to seven. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, they're only getting seven. I think the line should be seven and a half. I'm taking the Vikings. Now they end up winning by 24 or something. But, you know, I'm just literally setting the line at the point where I would not know which side to take. And then the actual line tells me, okay, you're on this side because I, you know, mm-hmm. I've made it where I'm like, I mean, cause it's really easy to do in some ways. It's like, let's say you have a game. I haven't even looked at this week's schedule, but just say you have like the giants first the Col- at the Colts or wherever they are. And you're like, okay, well, you know, I don't know if they're at the Colts or home. 
Well, I'm going to guess they're at the Colts, but we'll look it up later. Um, or you can look it up now. But um, so are you, you like could. Giants at the Colts? <laughs> okay, well, I'll look it up while we're talking, but I'm talking, so I'm just going to have you do it. But okay, uh, week 16 schedule. Um, so say the Giants are at, at the Colts, and you're like, well, you know, do you, is, is it pick them? Yeah, it's Giants versus Indy. I don't know. It doesn't say. It's so stupid, this site that I just Googled. Where the hell is this game? All right, I'll look it up. You keep talking. Yeah, look it Anyway, so it's at Indianapolis. Here it is. So you're like, okay, would you take Giants plus three at the Colts? No way. It's not nearly enough. Would you take Giants plus 14 at the Colts? Sounds like too much, right? So either of those lines that I threw out there, you would know immediately what side you were on. Right. Well, how about, you know, Giants plus six? Eh, maybe not enough. You know, you, you start, you're like, okay, if it's Giants plus six, I'll take the Colts. So you got to get to the point where you're like, ooh, if I threw out that line, like, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know which side I would take. And that's the line that you think it should be. Right. The line you think it should be is the line where literally you ha- you would say, I just can't choose a side. It's too close. I think one of my problems last week was I hit that number like four or five times when I was playing get- when we were doing guess the spread. If you remember how I, I was nailing certain lines and I was way off on others, but the, the ones I nailed, I was like right on the stupid number. Uh, yeah, but, but guessing what it was. So I do two things. I, I pick the number where I don't care what the spread is. I'm just guessing where I would have a, an impossible choice. And I put, I don't guess. I'm saying I'm just picking mm-hmm. where hypothetically, if this were the line, I would not know which side to choose. That makes it my line. Then I guess, what do I think the real line is going to be? I just do that to separate the two concepts. So I'll say, you know, I think the giants would have to be like, nine-ish in this game for me to, you know, that would be a tough call at nine, nine and a half, you know, somewhere around that. And then I'll guess the spread will be like nine and a half, ten. I think I accidentally saw it was nine and a half just now when I was looking this up, which is annoying, but it'll change. But that's where I would have had it anyway. And so I'll just separate those two concepts. And then, you know, I mean, if you know that you are torn at a certain number, then if the number is on one or the other side of it, you know who to take. It's, it's easy. And, and the thing is, the reason you have to do it just looking at the schedule and not already knowing the lines is because as soon as you see Vegas's number, oh, yeah, you your can't thoughts. unsee it. Yeah, completely agree it, with you it, on it's that. It's like ADP in that way. It's like, oh, he's a third rounder. Ah, I would have had him like a fourth rounder. So uh, you know right, what I, I do? That. I always do case. this. I just go to in, in, uh, ESPN.com, go to the yeah. NFL page, hit schedule, voila. Just yeah, listen. no, I, I I do too. I do too. I just googled this while we were talking really fast. You said, yeah. get up." So I, you know, something just came up quickly. Yeah, and that that's yeah. You can't. Yeah, that's the danger in that method. By the way, only three afternoon games on Sunday again next week. There's two this past week, and I hate to be that. You know, I don't hate to be that guy. I like to be that guy. Who am I kidding? Uh, it's just I I hate the lack of balance in the schedule. Uh, just it's really hard to track everything. Uh, you know, trying to see, like, you know, especially when there's more than eight games and like there's nine games in the early slate and three in the afternoon. And, you know, I can't even watch my grid channel. Now I'm going to be on the road this Sunday. Anyhow, it's going to be even harder for me to watch, especially because I'll be with family in uh, Kansas. They don't have direct TV, let alone the package. So I'm going to be uh, I I'll have to try to do uh, online some sort of online method to watch. But uh, it, there's a whole lot of obstacles with that, too. But, you know, it, it's like, ah, come on, let's have some balance here. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to be in London, and it'll be easy because I have the Game Pass, so I'll just watch it on my laptop. So Yeah, well, you already that. watch games on your laptop. You're used to that, right? You just stream. Uh, no, I watch games on a, a large screen TV, 
and the laptop simultaneously, but okay. Um, I could actually, pro- they might have an Apple TV that I can actually just airplay it to their TV too. That'd be nice. In fact, that's what I did last year. Yeah. Now that I remember I was there nice. last year. It was awesome. They, oh, so they you're going like to the same nicer, place. Yeah, we're going to, it's just, I had this friend's house in London where we're staying and it's a really nice brownstone in near Holland park. And we have our own little floor. And then the top floor is just this sort of like loungy TV room with a giant screen TV. And I remember I just stream it from my laptop to the TV. I just uh, airplay it. Okay. And it's going to be nice. Very good. By the way, there's no Thursday game anymore. No Thursday game this week. Yep. No Thursday game next week. Thank goodness. Uh, it, it changes. It'll, it'll be nice for the update schedule. It'll be nice for just, you know, I think, a better game. I mean, Casey Chargers was a great game. Don't get me wrong. But I would have much rather seen that on a Sunday. Seen everybody healthier, get a better chance to see everyone at full capacity. I think that would have been a much better game. I mean, I liked seeing it standalone, but I don't know. It was a it was a strange game. Thursday in general isn't the best. Uh, right. I'm still going to get my stuff in the same day, just because it's just I, I just feel like it's just a rhythm that I have with the week. Sure. You know, we used to do it different days before the Thursday game. Remember, Thursday games only used to come on after Thanksgiving. Right. We'd start with thanks. First it was only Thanksgiving, and then it was okay. Well, starting week twelve and Thanksgiving, there's now Thursday games rest of the season, and then they were just like, all right, let's just do this the whole year. And if I recall correctly, we didn't have Saturday games until week 16. Now we had it at week 15 and we'll have a week 16. All the games on week 17 are on Sunday. There's no Monday or Saturday or Thursday and in week 17 at least. So there's that, but you know, it, it, yeah, you're right. They, they changed the schedule quite a bit, by the way, even week 17, there are 13 early games and three late games, no night game even because they, they want to give everybody equal time for the playoffs, I guess to prepare. Yeah, I, I'm good with that. It's kind of fun. And plus it's, you know, you've got, once you set your lineup and it locks, who cares? Yep. You know, I'll write a little write up then, you know, on Monday, but you know, you'll draft your playoff teams or whatever based on results, but you don't have to like worry about, Oh, well look who got so many carries and look who's winning a job and look, you know, you just, (laughs) you can just enjoy, you don't have to rewatch all the shit. You just, you got it. You know, you're, it's, I like, I like that. I remember New Year's Eve. It was last year was New Year's Eve, week 17. And I was getting hammered at this pizza place and I, I had this bad <laughs> Wi-Fi. And I was trying to track it on my phone, like all the scores, but it didn't really matter. You know I mean? The season was over. It was week 17. It was, I cared about my spread picks, but I was like having this conversation with these British people in this uh, place in Porto, which is the city of, in Northern Portugal. And mm-hmm. it was just kind of cool that I was like, oh yeah, the NFL, let me go check in on that. Porto made the uh, elimination rounds in the championship league. Uh, they made it past the pool play. So they're the only Portuguese team that do so. Benfica did not make it. Uh, so uh, good for Porto. Yeah, it's one of the big three here. I don't, I don't know how it is in other countries, but there's literally like three teams that ever win here, apparently. Right. Benfica, Sporting, and Porto. And all the other ones are like from small you know, like small cities in Portugal, and they—I don't think they ever win. No, I don't actually. I don't really know what the hell I'm talking about, but that's what I've been told. No, you're actually correct. Uh, in soccer, that's the thing. They're—they don't have the same competitive balance provisions. Uh, there's not—they don't really have a salary cap. Although you have to kind of stay within revenue, I guess is the, the line there. Uh, there's a, there's certain restrict. There are some restrictions, but it's far less restrictive than say U.S. professional sports. So in and for instance, the Premier League, it's hard to break into that upper tier. That's why when Leicester won a couple of years ago, it was you know such an overwhelming upset. 
uh, because they were a team that you know was a couple years from away from just even getting promoted into the Premier League. They didn't spend like the big six. There is a big six, and they, the, the top four teams always emerge from those almost every year. It's always Man United. It's always Man City. It's always Chelsea or Liverpool or Arsenal or Tottenham. I mean, that's it. It's really well, rare I for mean, anyone to break into that. Why doesn't London have good teams? London, Wait, which one's well, London? Chelsea is in London. Um, oh, Chelsea's London. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was like Manchester. Tottenham's you know, that's like in a London. Second tier city. Tottenham's also in London. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because I, I think Arsenal's I was like, in London too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, all right. So like London. So yes, London's a gigantic city. Yes, it is. Support. Yeah. Yeah. Because Arsenal and Tottenham are like their their arch rivals. Um, so I want I want to go back to our thing. I, I just yeah. forgot one of the things I was I was going to say about it. The uh, difference between the you know like the game the spread and and the fantasy is that. Fantasy football is a really artificial construction because if you think about it, it's like the team drives down. Let's say your running back gets a 50-yard carry and he gets tackled at the one, and then the Garrett Blunt type comes in and punches it in and gets more points than the 50-yard run on the six-point touchdown. Or you know your QB, um, you know has played amazing all game. He's getting ten and a half yards in attempt, but he's got one touchdown pass because he's handed it off three times at the goal line or all this stuff. In the, the the problem with fantasy football is that football teams are complex systems, and each player is just an aspect of the system. And really, if the system does well, that's succeeding for the team. And they're sort of indifferent to which player, which arm of the system actually you know does the scoring necessarily. I mean, some teams it's predictable more than others. Some teams it's less predictable, and you price that into your draft. But in a way, like it's really artificial to break up football teams and individual players for right. fantasy purposes. We do it and, uh, and it works to an extent, but it's sometimes you get totally screwed because it doesn't really work that way. It's not really how the sport is made. It's not really an individual sport. Whereas baseball is really an individual sport. You're really one-on-one against the pitcher and the hitter. I mean, that's mostly the game that's going on. Obviously fielding matters and you know, your surrounding lineup matters, but most of the battle you're doing is one-on-one. And so um, it's just, if you think of a baseball team as a system, it really is much more comprised of its component parts and much more amenable to fantasy in the way that we do it. Now you can quibble on like, you know, the win stat or, you know, is ERA a really good stat? You, I mean, I think baseball has that issue and I think it's a legitimate one to sure to quibble over, but at least like the concept itself of we're going to add these individual players into a fantasy team, into a fantasy lineup is basically real. Like you could look at like, if you had a lineup that was your fantasy lineup, you could put that lineup on a field in real life and it would function pretty much like you'd expect. Right. I mean, if you had like trout and Mookie Betts and a bunch of other good hitters, like it would be, I mean, obviously if some scrub qualifies a shortstop that shouldn't be playing shortstop, I mean, there's a little, there's some things like that, but at least in terms of hitting, it would be like your fantasy team would be. I mean, it would hit well. It would hit. If your team's good, it would hit. Um, whereas in football, it's like you can't really just put like this bunch of different players together the way that we're doing it. It's not it's it's way more of a stretch. And same with fast, like breaking same up these with systems and then too. reassembling them in these fake systems. It's not even it doesn't even resemble the product. So I think like that's part of why all this crazy screwed up variance happens in football because as good as we are at it and as much as we know about each team, like in the end, like it's a team like they don't really care about our individual way. We're cutting this up. 
No, and you know, I I think same is true in basketball, actually, too. I mean, there, yes, minutes equal production a lot of times, but the, the equation does is how do the pieces fit? You know, Camarillo Anthony was never going to be good in Oklahoma City because he he's not they're they're not running the ball through him; they're running it through Westbrook, and he just can't function in that. Now, granted, decline might have was also a huge contributing factor to that too, not just style of play. But you, you get my point that yep. you, they need to fit together. You know, baseball is really the only one that of the majors that has that dynamic. Yeah. I mean, or the individual, you know, tennis, golf, those are probably, yeah, but that's no, those aren't team sports. I'm just saying of the team yeah, sports. But I'm saying those are probably great fantasy. Sp- I haven't done golf, but people love golf because it's your, you do what you do. Basically. It's, yeah. It's the golfer in the course. That's all there is. Yeah. So football is the most, I even think basketball has got a lot of one-on-one play and you know, there's so few players and the dominant players are such huge contributors but football is the most team sport of all the team sports, in my opinion. So that's the other thing that makes it this crazy type of playoffs. Like, don't sweat it. You know, it's just it's just how it is. It's just such a crazy game. There's few possessions of basketball. There's many possessions. So the variance evens out over like fluke. Fluke plays make huge differences in football. Yeah. Hockey is very much a team sport, too. I mean, first of all, you have to have players win the puck and pass it to you. You have to have, you know, systems to get open. You have to, you know, if you have bad defense on your team, you're never going to get the puck. You know, if you're not, and if you don't play any defense yourself and all that. And yeah, I, I think football is way underrated. We've talked about this, that like if your defense sucks, you're never going to get the ball. Like it's going right. to hurt your offensive production. Sure. Like your guys are just not going to be able to get, it's like on the one hand, like if, if people score quickly against you, it's good for the offense. But if people have long drives against you, that's terrible. You know, it's like, you're just losing, you're just losing time to do anything. Right. Right. And say you, and where you get the stop is if you get a three and out, it's much better than them driving all the way to midfield and then punting it down to your, your five or whatever. And you know, it's like, yeah, that, that's a big deal too. Yeah. The, the, I think like fantasy football, the next, not the next, but like a frontier to explore is the interactions between offense and defense. Cause I don't think people, it used to be like, Oh, I want a bad defense. So they get into shootouts, but it's great. If your defense gives up an 80 yard touchdown on one play, it is terrible. If your defense is on the field for 35 minutes a game. Yeah, that's right. That is absolutely right. Uh, so what other observations do you have from uh, week, week 15? Uh, any like, team surprise you how they no showed you know we talked about the rams they played it you know we, we tweeted out a clip from that and of course people just read the the intro to it and didn't listen to the clip and they're like how can you say that about the rams i mean uh okay well and the question is and i think you should always be questioning things by the way is mcveigh a little overrated you know has he been figured out a little bit you know this is three pretty eh, weeks in a row they they beat detroit but they didn't look great in doing so that offense didn't look great at least uh, bears completely shut them down and, you know, golf had another really bad game against the Eagles yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the play where he, he I mean, you saw, but like, I've never seen anything like this. He like fumbled a snap or he slipped or something. He slipped, I think. And he fell down. It was a huge play. It was like a third and eight. It was a game tying drive. Yeah. And he stayed down like, Oh, I better stay down. And then we, then he realized, Oh shit, this is like third and long. Like I need to make a play. And then he got up, but he delayed getting, he didn't just spring to his feet. Right. And then he, you know, couldn't, didn't have time to get rid of it because he had wasted like a second, like delaying on the ground. I was like, what are you doing? Get up. It was a college. I didn't know why I was Once you hit the ground in the college, you're done in college. The play's over. Right. 
And so maybe, maybe that, may, yeah, it could be, could be something like that. Maybe he thought it was over or something. He just forgot, but it was, it was a really like, it seemed like, dude, what are you doing? Get off the ground. Yeah. And it was, it was just odd. The, the, yeah. I mean, I, I think the Eagles showed, I mean, the Eagles, I, I had bet on them plus eight and a half is my best bet against the saints or one of my best bets. And they just got absolutely annihilated by the Saints. They did not even show up. And then I saw them play the giants. The giants should have won that game, but, Eli gave it away. And then I saw them play Dallas where they went to overtime, but you know, they still lost and there's must win. And they just week after week, like this team has never showed up and I lost respect for them. And then Wentz gets hurt and Foles comes back in. And all of a sudden the difference is that Foles is thrown to Alshon Jeffrey down the field. Alshon Jeffrey has eight targets on 160 yards. He's getting 20 yards of target, right? Zach Ertz has a modest game, but Jeffrey's the guy who, who cashes in. And, the but whole season, Wentz was unwatchable. It was this dink and dunk, terrible. And P and I was uh, tweeting me and debating. He's like, Wentz's stats are basically the same. I'm like, well, he had 7.7 YPA this year, 7.5 last year. But there's like inflation by half a yard across the league, basically. Mm-hmm. But okay, let's just say it's close enough. But the difference is la- last year, he had more like relative to the league yards per attempt with like a 60% completion rate. And this year, it's 69 so if you're getting basically the same or fewer, you know, relative to league yards per attempt, um, but with much higher completion, that, that makes you peak Sam Bradford. That's what he was doing. He was just tossing to short passes to Aguilar and Tate and the backs and Ertz, and the offense went nowhere. Like, why did Gwen's throw all those touchdowns? We're like, oh, regression. He'll get lucky. He'll right. get unlucky next year. He was getting... Well, it's partly because they were throwing down the field. They were attacking. And you're going to get a lot more touchdowns on plays like that than just dink and dunk. And so, well, you know, I, they just changed their whole, they just opened everything up suddenly because Foles was there. Well, a couple of things too. You know, just, it, it, first of all, opposing teams had all off season to adjust to the Eagles and perform And they're going to, the teams on their schedule are going to spend more time planning for them because, hey, they won the Super Bowl. They, they stand out. Secondly, they lost Frank Wright. You know, their ability to adjust on the fly might have been hampered. I mean, you know, Wentz being able to make certain plays might not have been able, you know, might just, he just might not have been able to do that. Whether it's his knee initially or his back later, which might have been as a reaction to his knee, you know, that that all changes. And then sometimes it's just matching against personnel. How many times do we see this? That, okay, well, they, they had this matchup going in this game and they keep going to it. You know, Jeffrey had a better matchup this game. So they go to it. By the way, Foles had a great game, but how annoying was it that, you know, if you own Foles and started him, that they ran in for the three touchdowns. They didn't have any passing touchdowns. It was annoying for me. I lost by a point in the Stopa League, uh, and I had Foles. Oh, right. It, only in a two-QB QB league would you have used Foles. But, yes, that is uh, unfortunate. He played a good game, though. He threw one pick, but he had 8.7 YPA and really went down the field. Yeah, you're right. It's one game, and maybe they'll go back to the dink and dunk nonsense. But it, it's always, you know, by – by that team that everybody's completely abandoned. You know, the Bengals last two games after just looking like the worst team in the NFL played better. Yeah. There's usually like this rock bottom that things hit and then you got to buy them again. And you got to kind of, once like everybody's like, oh, I would never bet on that team. That's the most disgusting team ever. That's usually when the value's there. Yeah. Yeah. Time and again. I mean, you mentioned it already with uh, Bengals chargers last week. Uh, you mentioned it with the Eagles this week. Uh, I didn't, feel the same as stridently about you about that game. But I mean, there's others like I felt pretty down on Atlanta and for about seven minutes of the first quarter yesterday, I was feeling pretty good about that when Arizona got the first score and was up and 
then all of a sudden that landed said, okay, enough of that. We're going to swat you around and then we're going to pile on. Cause what's been, you know, as you articulated during the show, you know, they're, they're working out weeks of punishment and that they're turning it around on Arizona. And sometimes that just happens too. Yeah, the per- often the person who's bullied the most is the worst sadist when they finally get to power and get yeah. to take it out on other people, um, and they they sadistically destroy the uh, the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean the McVeigh thing is people were acting like it was him and Belichick, right? And I think that it should be there's Belichick, okay, he's in his own sort of box, and then there's guys like Andy Reid and you know I think John Harbaugh's still a good coach. Ravens competitive more often than not, and. I would look at the personnel and I'm not, I don't usually think that they're that good. Um, I think that, you know, you go through, uh, the, you know, Sean Payton is usually pretty good. Although he's had Drew Brees, it's hard to, you know, to parse that. And you go through, you know, Matt Nagy seems like a good first year coach. It maybe got a little lucky with the way everyone's imploded, but he, he's done a good job. Like you look through it. I think Shermer, even though he annoys me sometimes, I think it's probably a good coach. There's some other, there's like another tier of coaches. And I think that like at best we should put McVeigh, you know, in the upper middle class, you know, near yeah. Andy Reid, like one of those coaches. He's a, a really good coach, successful for a long time, but he's not even won a playoff game, McVay. And scheme is just a small part of it. I, I look at like coaches, I mentioned Tomlin the other day, maybe who's a bad example, but, you know, coaches like Tomlin, they're always making the wrong decision on down and distance and clock management, but usually the Steelers show up and they're tough. Like usually, the t- you know the the team listens they mind their gaps they do what they need to do they do like the x's and o's stuff that they're supposed to do and they they show up they perform they try they play as a team again i don't know which team that really applies to but the coach's job is not just scheme if you see mccarthy in his like lame scheme you realize okay you need to have like a creative scheme on offense and you can't just be obvious and you know, and, and making the quarterback make all the, the hardest throws for the least amount of yardage. Again, the equivalent of shooting long two pointers in the NBA, but there's a lot that goes into it. And maybe McVay will get all that and maybe he'll get it all of it this year. But I definitely think the hype was out of control on him. Yeah, of course. And it's easy to see that now, now that they, they've looked very ordinary. Uh, the thing is, when do you recognize it? You know, and the thing is you were, I'll give you credit after that Rams chiefs game that everybody self-included was raving about you're like yeah i don't know if it was that well played i don't know you know kudos to you for kind of saying you know calling it out for what it was well thank you but i'm not sure people would agree with that i I think that it was a slop fest there were three defensive touchdowns and the chiefs look sloppy but the chiefs strike like they'll throw like an 80-yard touchdown in you know blink of an eye whereas the rams were had to grind it out even that game you know they had to like convert third downs all the time they just and then you know Cup is like their third down converter. He was good at that. And then I just I don't they just don't look good. And what's up with Gurley? Like every other quarter, seeming like oh is he hurt? Why is he out? Like at the last half of the season, it seemed like Gurley had a, still had a really good fantasy day. But I'm always like why is he hurt? Why, why is this other guy in? Well, let's look at it this way: How often did they use a backup running back during you know in the, in the early stretch of the season? It was really infrequent, wasn't it? Like he, he was yeah, the tree Malcolm Brown a little bit, but they're, they're just, you know, now it's like John Kelly and these other guys and it's just weird. I, uh, I gotta just, think I, the, just the accumulation, the wear and tear probably has something to do with that. I would have to say, um, that, you know, at some point you got to, uh, at some point it just, you need more rest. And if you, if you're dealing with it and he's getting his knee checked out this week, you know, came, he went out, came, came back in. So there was actually a tangible thing, 
But you look at the percentage of the team snaps. I mean, or you look at the team, you know, he's had 825 snaps. Malcolm Brown had 123. He's out. You know, Kelly and Davis had seven and five, respectively. I don't know if that includes this past week or not. Um, but it's still, I mean, it, it, it does include this week, this last weekend. So, you know, he's getting like 95% of the snaps. I mean, that's that's a lot for a running back. We always talk about how, you know, fragile running back is as a position. Why would Gurley be any different? Yeah, no, I mean, some guys have, you know, lasted. The, the crazy one is Christian McCaffrey. Like, he's just never even on the injury report. No one ever worries about him. It's just a bizarre thing that he has increased his workload, and it's not even a thing. You don't even no one even talks about him on in the context of injuries, but that's just, you know, he's only been in the league two years and last year he had a very light load. So we'll see what happens a few years in, but yeah, it's just the whole team just doesn't seem like the same. And, uh, and it's not just, yeah, the last couple of games, it's like the whole, really the first one was they're laying seven in Seattle. And I foolishly laid the wood and I thought the Rams were different. I thought just like the Patriots, they, they will keep scoring, you know, even if they're up, even if they don't run out clocks or they're going to cover these spreads and the NFL whole model is, is sort of, you know, based on the fact that teams want to win the game. They don't really care about the spread. So yeah, of course, if they'll score as much as possible early to secure the win, but later in the game, they'll trade margin for time just as long as it makes them more likely to win. And the Patriots have bucked that and they've covered at a ridiculous rate because they just keep scoring. I thought, Oh, the Rams are doing this too. Look at this. This is a different kind of team. And ever since about, you know, that first Cooper cup injury game, I think it was against Seattle. I don't want to blame it on Cooper cups injury. Cause I think it's putting way too much on a slot receiver, but sure. um, they have just, they're just not, the pedal is not down. It's not crisp that, you know, golf hasn't been as sharp. The whole thing it was like five or six games. And this team looked like, you know, you know, they're calling it, you know, the, what, what are they, the greatest show on turf, the greatest show on grass, whatever. And now it's just, uh, they're just ordinary. And I, I think they could be one and done easily this year. Yeah, uh, they could, they were last year. I mean, it, it all, you know, all this, I mean, even the saints who look like the best team, especially because they got a better defense. I mean, their offense is slowed down. You pointed that out too. <coughs> everybody, you know, everybody shows their little flaws. This is, it's, it's really interesting. We don't have a super team and we also don't have a super bad team this year. You know, I, I, I how wrong do I look? When thinking that, saying that the Bills were special bad, and here they are, they're, they're drafting tenth next year. Right now, if the season ended, you know, it, the, yeah. And the, there's things about these teams that are special bad, but they, you know, they they're not they're living, breathing organisms. They change, they adapt, and they have. It, it's really weird this year. Like it looked like we had special teams like six weeks ago. It was like Saints and Rams are just playing at another level. The Chiefs' offense is unstoppable, right? And the Patriots are like hitting their stride. And the page those four teams was like. Oh yeah, that's the final four, and that's going to be really interesting. And now, five six weeks later, none of they all look vulnerable. Every single one of them, right? And, and it's like, well, I guess the Saints are the best because their defense is decent, but man, they're thin on offense. Like they have no depth. I asked you this question a week ago, just a week ago. Do you choose four or choose the field? You still probably choose four, but man, it's a lot tougher. Yeah, the Rams. You know, I mean, I guess you take them because they're eleven and three. They're going to get a buy pretty well. I mean, they could the blow Rams and the Bears and Pats are it. both you know not as sure things anymore. Well, the Texans. Such I would no one would take the Texans of the four, but they may be the second seed, which right. is just insane. But and so uh, what I, if the Pats are the three seed? They 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 would probably host the Colts right now. 
which, okay. I mean, they we've seen that movie before. The Pats did beat them. Uh, but the Colts played that one a little tighter than I think the score indicates. And they're, they're, they've evolved since then, too. Yeah, I think the Pats, well, I think the Pats would beat the Colts in New England. I think in I Indy, so they probably lose that game. Right. So, but, you know, I mean, obviously the Colts could win it, and it could be like curtains on the Brady era if they lose the first round of the playoffs. That could be, you know, <laughs> that's not good. Um, but anyway, so if the Pats won that, then they then they play the two, so they would go to Houston, which would be a great that'd be a great draw for them. The three seed isn't that bad actually, right? Because they can win in Houston. The Houston's mediocre, and then they win that, then the Chiefs and Chargers could fight it out. You know, if the, assuming the Chargers win on the road in uh, where the Chargers be going, they'd be going to Pittsburgh or or Baltimore, and they could easily lose that game. And then you know the Chargers just don't even get started because they. And the Chargers yeah, are Pittsburgh. playing Baltimore in Week 15. They've beaten the Steelers on the road already. Yeah, I mean, but it was they were down 23-7. I mean, it was a great comeback, but right. there's no way that the Steelers in the cold, you know, be colder than. And not for nothing, uh, the be, Steelers are a half game behind the Patriots right now. That right? I mean, the Pats could be the four seed because you, you want to go to. I mean, I think Kansas City's vulnerable too. I think Belichick. I think somebody could game plan Kansas yeah, City. Of course. I, I think the Chargers are the best matchup or the toughest matchup because of Derwin James and Casey Hayward is just such a good counter to the Chiefs weapons. I don't think the Patriots have players like that, but I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they, the Patriots, they beat them in, in Foxborough. I don't know if they could beat them in Kansas City, but right. uh, it's a playoff game, cold weather. I think things would be a little different, but yeah, and, you definitely want to go to <laughs> you definitely want to go to Houston, not Kansas City, if you can. Right, and the Pats have two home games left, by the way, against the Bills and the Jets. So the odds the are Pats in favor of them finishing the eleven and five. The, yeah. And the Texans, who do the Texans have? Because that's the the Texans this week are at Philly, which is not a gimme at all. Now it nope. looked like you know an easy game, but it's not. That's almost I don't I would I would set that line at like almost plus three, maybe plus two and a half. So I'd make Philly favorite in that game, mm-hmm. and then I'll have to, I, it's not official. I'll make my official line because Philly's got a uh, lot to go for to play for here they, still. Oh no, Philly's got a forty-two percent chance of making the playoffs according to some models, and then Jacksonville at Houston, which is an easy game now. Uh, so and yeah, isn't that hilarious? By the way, how, how the fortunes have yeah. swung on that. Yeah, but that's an that's like it doesn't get much easier, right? Than Jacksonville. I mean, it's not obviously no NFL games layup, but it's that's a soft game. So yeah, I, I hope, I hope new England, I want to see new England trying to face down the, the top teams in the conference. And yeah. I, I, I just, even though I, you know, I have a love hate with the Patriots, but I just really like, I, I like to see Goliath. I like to see them in the mix it makes for a, a better story. It does. It does. Uh, Pat, Pats are six and zero at home, three and five on the road. Now, granted it should be four and four, but, but for a fluky play, uh, but not, not fluky play, an amazing play. Uh, at, uh, at any rate, at a highly improbable play. You do remember that they held in the, one of their road wins. They were like pushing the bear. I, I can't remember who caught it, but they were like the bears receiver caught it at the two yard line. The hail yeah, Mary. The hail Mary. Yep. Like a game where the Pats had a blocked kick. They also had a kickoff return for a touchdown in that game. A lot of weird things happening there too. So I mean, they could be they could easily be eight and six right now too. Still leading their division, but still, yeah, uh, yeah. They they also could be ten and four 
So, uh, you know, it, it, it's not that hard to squint and see those, either of those either way. Um, all right. Anything else? What else are you working on for East Coast offense for tomorrow? I think uh, I'm going to mail it in like I do at the end of the year every year. Okay. And I do my uh, team I wish I had drafted. So, I'll, like, I do this draft. I don't draft the obvious best team because that's easy. You know, you just girly first and then, you know, whoever Devonte Adams second or whoever's available, I guess you can't get both those guys, but I'm going to do the, you know, Pat Mahomes in the first round. And then the, you know, just a team that everybody would completely mock and side bet you on. And that you would absolutely destroy them because even though it's not the ideal team, it'd be pretty good. And I'd get like Derek Henry yeah, of course. Fourth, and I'd be like, you just need guys who are good in the playoffs. You know, you have to, it's not just about, he's a heavy season. duty between the tackles runner. He does great in cold weather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's P, I know it's PPR and he's not going to catch a lot of passes, but I think he could really be a factor. It's I like his schedule in the playoffs. That's right. That's right. All right, good. I'm doing my value meter tomorrow. Uh, it'll be up tomorrow night and yay, no Thursday game. So make a little less pressure uh, though. Everybody's going to be oh, it's for the championship. I got to have these ratings early. No, you don't. You know, right. But that's I'm right. going to get my stuff up just because I want to get it over with. But uh, yeah, I hear you. It doesn't really matter. There's more time. Yeah. All right, everybody. Good luck in your finals. If you're there, thanks for listening. If you don't already subscribe to Rotowire, go to rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, make sure to uh, check out the free 10 day trial if you can. And otherwise, hey, good luck in your playoffs. Thanks again. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff uh, with the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.